Our next reader is Ed Bockley, who, among other things, teaches at Metro State in the neighborhood, um, and recently curated a film and discussion at Bryant Lake Bowl. So Ed's at every interesting venue in the Twin Cities. <laughs> What Peter was saying earlier about this beautiful building, which I and I think a lot of people um, have always admired, and all the workers and the sweat and your vision on many levels that are in these walls. And it got me thinking, um, I've been thinking about water and words a lot lately, and how, um, I don't know if I can articulate this, but how the the impurity of each of those things is somehow related. And if you, um, you think of all the things in the state of our water in many places in the world, in the state of words and how, it's been, how they've been corrupted, um, that's about all I can say about that now. But uh, words, yeah, words. In a library, every language is a castle. Every language is a cathedral. Um, and every two weeks, the final living, um, by that I mean every language has taken eons to evolve from the first sounds that you know, were uttered into what I'm speaking now, which is English, and every language spoken is a, is a different kind of cathedral with different kind of grammar to hold the, uh, the equivalent of the beams and joints together with the, with the mortar and all that stuff. So every two weeks, the final living speaker of a language dies. And a lot of these languages are indigenous. Um, here in our, in, on, on this continent, on, all over the world, actually. Um, and by that, I mean the literal last speaker of that lang culture's language Usually an old person dies, and it has not been passed on to the next generation. And at this rate, by the time we hit 2050, half of the languages, no, not half, 90% of the languages that are spoken today will be extinct. And so, the, you know, our children, our grandchildren will know a world where only one out of 10 languages exists and the rest will have gone dead and by that I don't mean um, like Latin or Greek which evolved into other languages I mean dead gone extinct often and many of these languages have never been written or um, uh, uh, archived by linguists and so I know I'm going on but um, I feel I feel like very inspired to talk about this in front of all these old books. Um, along with these languages. There's some new books here. Old and new books. I was talking about the people. You each are libraries, genetic libraries, right? All right, I'm going to shut up and read the poem. Um, it's called the world. And along, I just want to say one last thing. So along with these languages, what goes? Because I always get, when, when I have brought, talked about this before, some people say, hey, well, isn't that a good thing? We all, if we all spoke the same one language, then wouldn't we all kind of get along better? And it's sort of like, well, you know, different, ask, different cultures have different ideas of, of 
nature and time and space, and they even per perceive those things differently. Um, different, different cultures have different stories, creation myths, different recipes, different jokes, different songs. If you think the world would be richer uh, with just songs in English, um, you need to think about that a little more. So this poem is called World, and it's about that. I think I'm too close to Metro State because I'm in lecture mode. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right. World. Dear speaker, in a future age, when only a handful of tongues remain, I write this to you as a song, even as I know it won't do, even as I know the words I speak are devastation. I don't expect you to understand, but I want you to know there is another language in which I dream. Sometimes I think it's Korean. Other nights, my dead harmony sewing back together a broken room. Or my neighbors, a family of Ojibwas, welding their minivans, cinder blocks teetering. Summer evenings, the Hmong girl and boy echo hide and seek with cousins down the street. Or this spring, Juan, the Mexican kid next door, suddenly 14 shuffling steps on the corner, baggy stuffed in his shorts, truant every afternoon. I see him some days through my window, rapping in a back alley alone in broken English to his iPod, as I've seen him since he was 10. Youngest of four undocumented brothers in a boarding room basement I watch through their window well, like an evening TV show whose writers are all angry drunks. And I wonder, what will happen to this slightly dumpy boy's heart out of sync with his tongue? The only two muscles you really have to move with wings through this world. A shiny black SUV pulls up each Friday. He climbs in, and I wonder, if I did the right thing three years back by urging my other neighbor, an old white woman, not to call the cops on him. Dear speaker, in a future age when only a handful of lexical bouquets remain to light these monstrous highways, I write this to you as a human piece of coal, origin of orange, shelved away in some petrified repository, even as I know it's too late for you to bind and open me, even as I know yet another world language will become extinct this week, forever gone like Atlantis, like Atlantis or Montezuma's kingdom, Sumerian, Gothic, Koguryo, Tasmanian, Scots, Gaelic, Mohawk, Iroquois, like a global hurricane of power and indifference veering toward Flemish and Basque, Ainu, Anishinaabe, and yes, one day if turnabout is fair play, maybe even this language I tease apart for inconsistencies each night to house me. I wish I could tattoo this prayer to my palm, even as I know it's way too long, longer than my body, my whole life, this eviscerated pink and black spilling through the forest of my sleep, though yesterday just another passionate Somali debate awakening me on the 21A, a mismatched couple whispering over borscht and piraski at Kmarchek's on Hennepin. Once some Greek harangue over the baklava's freshness at Bill's imported, ah yeah, and the pho thai every day, every Sunday, I supersize whose bony broth brings tears to my eyes in Frogtown, and sometimes I know I'm just another ghost passing through this century. One of a long line of hungry souls before me, each a spiritual refugee. Dear Father, who art in heaven, who fled your homeland, war-torn in flames, I write this to you from the end of the world to 
forgive you for your rage, even as you emptied its fear into your own family's tears. All night, Manhattan, from the Williamsburg Bridge this summer is beautiful, an entire island lit up, scintillating like a Christmas tree asleep so peacefully on its side. Like the one omni-crowned, each December, a newborn prince, I relinquish you from the preterite spiritual RNA erased by missionaries and sunglass generals handing out candy, cigarettes, crosses, and European names. Dear future, I'm writing you from an imperfect case in a secret code I've had to reinvent myself with. Associations and inflections, rawest of imaginations, a disciple of time and a bulky patois, a drift migrant with no motor, canvas or oars, only these few city stars faulty neon thresholds, in truth only two. Dear time, how I envy the cleanliness of your hands. Dear love, why do I need your shadow so deeply inside mine? I don't know where any of us are going, but I'm sure on the other side of the world there is a language I have never heard. It is beautiful. And in this dying tongue there are words for love and God that resemble bread and wing or another forest language in which mother and knife equal drawer and sing. An island wood is somewhere desert milk and berry elsewhere is a door. And if you added up all these dying words and the people who speak them, all their memories, histories, and lessons, all their gods, jokes, rituals, and recipes, if you learned and stirred them over and again until each utterance became a star, a new footprint, the marrow of a poem. And yet, what do we say? Not I am an incomplete dictionary. But go back to where you come from if you don't like it this way. And yet, in the canopy of listening, what rasps in these voices is not hate or even fear, but grief, these groaning doors and shrinking portals to history. Dear speaker, in a future age when not 6,000 or 3,000 or even a dozen, but only one origin of the world remains, I write this to you as an elegy. In the beginning, there was a word, but it got lonely. So it prayed for brothers, sisters, and neighbors, until love was born, but along with it came shame, passion, greed, benevolence, and need, and soon some of the words became flowers and trees, and others animals, and eventually some were human beings, queens, and workers, kings, and thieves. <laughs>